0: Hey guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it.
1: So Ben Nemton is on the podcast today, and he is so likable. I get it now. I did not get it before because this guy. First of all, he looks like he he belongs in an Abercrombie uh, ad. You do. You really do. He's he looks like he's 12 and belongs like in an Abercrombie ad, and he is the number one, number two motivational speaker. On the planet, according to him, (laughs) (laughs) no, (laughs) not according to him. According to who? Who did you say?
0: Uh, It's a group called Global Gurus. They just rank speakers, but who knows?
1: Okay. Oh, but it's on all of your stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what they said. I mean, it's that's what they said.
1: And for good reason. This guy. So let me just. I'm late to the game, apparently, but you probably know of him already because he had a TV show on MTV called The Buried Life. He wrote a hundred things that he wants to do before he dies, and he accomplished them all right? And then gave back to people, each one, everything that you accomplished on your bucket list, basically, then you gave someone else an opportunity to do that, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And then he became this like renowned speaker talking about his whole experience. And I was like, how did I not know who you are? And I feel like a real dodo bird, but I'm so glad that I finally- Listen, you're
0: not a dodo
1: bird. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But- Thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. you have a beautiful house and a beautiful little studio here.
1: Thank you. Yeah. see I see why people like you and why you're number two. I, well, you should just, be number Wait, I, why are you not number one?
0: Uh, Simon Sinek has had the number one spot for two years and he's uh, he's very good. He's very Simon
1: good. Sinek he's on this uh, he was on this podcast. He's number one still. Mm-hmm. really yep. So what's the, I'm curious who's the top five?
0: Well, I mean, look, I have no business being in the top five, but it, Tony Robbins is number three and I was, you I was beat number, him this year. I beat him last year. I was number three and he was number two and Simon was number one. So it's usually him and Mel Robbins and, uh, and, and then someone else. Yeah. So,
1: wow. So but, but, Mel Robbins who, you don't know who number five, I want to look at this list. I'm yeah, really curious. Is, yeah.
0: Google global gurus, motivational speakers. I'm going to. Yeah.
1: And hopefully I'll see your name on there. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> Let's record the podcast and then I'll leave and then you can check it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm actually going to. So I want to start from the beginning, even though I know you've said this story a million times, I want to start from the beginning of your journey. Like how did this whole thing happen? Like you looking at you in all seriousness, you would think you had like a perfect life, yeah. right? But you were super young. Like you accomplished all of these things like what, 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So take me back and give me the origin of how this whole thing came to be.
0: So I'm Canadian. Me too, by the way. No. Yes. That's why we have a thing.
1: That's why. I'm that's telling you.
0: That's why. Wow. Okay. It all makes so much sense.
1: Like, I honestly, not not to interrupt or inter- interject, but when you started speaking, when I was watching all your stuff and you talked about the Canada thing, because you said university, you didn't yep. say college. I was like, oh my God, this guy is Canadian. I died. And then I <laughs> like, then I deep dived into your stuff and I'm like, okay, I love this guy.
0: Oh, that's great. I, it's, it is a thing it's everything. a total Canadians. thing
1: we stick together we stick actually together. it's true yep. yep again why i have no good, clue how no, you very like and, real people
0: and hilarious
1: I Super mean, i mean obviously <laughs> like the best most funny ever
0: <laughs> the most funny. so okay so i'm growing up in canada which i can tell you exactly where it is because you'll know victoria
1: yep that's small
0: very small i'm living on an island it's a big island it's not like i'm can see all the the ocean from everywhere right right it's a big island but still it's a Smaller town, but it's perfect. It's Pleasantville. It's like you don't lock your doors. Healthy lifestyle. Your people are very happy, and it's a great place to grow up. And uh, rugby is really big in Victoria. It's where the national team trains, and rugby in in, on the west coast is huge.
1: That's interesting. I thought hockey would be huge there. I saw that in your bio and stuff that you were playing. It's not as
0: big as on the east coast. Yeah, Uh, it's still the biggest sport probably, but rugby especially in in victoria is big very big yeah so i'm on the rugby team and i make the under 19 national rugby team and we're training to go to paris for the world cup and the i play fly half so i'm kicking the field goals calling the plays a lot of pressure and i always really cared about what other people thought about me so like you know you're in high school that's a lot of people's experience. You're trying to be cool. You're trying to fit in. And I think I really like embodied that. I was like looking for validation. So I academic, I was on the honor roll. I had an academic scholarship to UVic, the university of Victoria. I made the national rugby team. You know, I was, I was out and had like great circle of friends, but in hindsight I was living the dream, but it wasn't really my dream, but I was doing it because it was the thing that success the, the success that I knew, and but I would worry about succeeding, and I had missed a kick at the end of our high school championship game. I at the end of the game, and we would lost the game, and it was devastating for me. I was like, I fucked up. I blew it. I'm a choke, you know. And so, leading up to the World Cup, I thought I can't do that again. I can't miss an, an easy kick. This is my shot. and I'd ruminate about this at night, and I it, this like worry would come in, and it'd be, I'd start to lose sleep, and then I start to get anxiety and I started to ultimately get depressed. And, I, and this anxiety took a grip on me and I wasn't able to go to school. I drive to school and I couldn't get out of the car. And I was like, what the fuck, what's going on? And then I couldn't go to rugby practice. And it, it just kept getting worse, because once I missed one, I thought, oh, what am I gonna say, what am I gonna do? And then I missed two, and then I'm like, oh my God, it's so much worse, now I've missed two. So it was this spiral that I started to go down. And I, I was like, I can't get caught up with school. And I just became the shut-in in my parents' house and my, I couldn't really leave the house. And all of a sudden, I went from this guy that was super happy, had everything, to my parents would push me out the door to do a 15-minute walk every day.
1: For how long did that last?
0: This was like two, three months. Dropped out of school, got dropped from the national rugby team. My friends would come by, but like eventually, like, you know, I wasn't hanging out with anybody. Wow. And so this was the first mental health crisis I'd ever been through. And I was thought I had lost everything. Everything I had was gone, never coming back, and it, the darkness was so deep that I was, I was terrified of it, and so I was completely crippled.
1: And you were young, and so did you ever ask a doctor like, "What was the that?" I was-
0: talked to the doctor. You know, they put me on SSRIs, yeah. on antidepressants. I didn't really stay on them. I didn't like the idea of it. I was kind of pushing everything away. I didn't know any that this happened to people. I just thought I was broken. You know, I didn't know that other kids were going through something like this.
1: Even though you were totally fine, then the catalyst was that missed kick. Yeah, like, then- I think
0: that it was, in hindsight, it was a lot of different things. Like there was this pressure that I would always put on myself. Mm. I, it was the mix of not sleeping. You know, I have a biological tendency to slide down that slope. You know, there was, uh, there was, ultimately I didn't know myself and I didn't know what I needed to be happy. So in hindsight... This list that I made was the first time that I had declared what I wanted to do and started following my path and ultimately started to move my life in the direction that was true to who I was and that was a huge part of me coming out of this. So what I realized is that purpose has a huge impact on your well-being and mental health and also being true to who you are is a huge piece of this and that was the beginning of that journey of me discovering who I was, was getting three friends, writing this list of the things that we'd always dreamed of doing no intention of achieving any of them but we just thought it'd be fun to try Mm -hmm. and set out on an adventure for a two-week road trip to see what we could accomplish and see who we could help and then people heard about it and they wanted to help and all of a sudden all these people from all over canada wanted to help us achieve everything off our list it was national news people sending us their dreams asking for our help and we're like oh my god what is happening
1: So what I find interesting is before we even get into all that, like, I find it like, what, how did you go from even being that depressed, not being able to leave your house yeah, and then making the list with your three friends, right? Like, and then having the, okay, that's a big jump from from doing that.
0: And yeah. And I jumped a a big piece of it. So this is what happened. My friends came after I was in shut-in and they literally pulled me out of the house. We're like, we're going to work in Banff, Alberta for Uh the summer. You're coming with us. And I didn't want to go, we we're like, help me pack my bags and you know. And I was forced to start to do things that were good for me. I was forced to get a job. So I started to feel some self-worth and some confidence. I was forced to start to talk about what I was going through to my friends. I was pushed into getting a therapist. I was forced to meet new people. And I started to realize that these new kids I was meeting in this new town, they were they gave me energy. So I started to meet kids that were like entrepreneurs or they traveled or they were different types of kids. I was like, fuck these guys. I feel energized being around these people. So
1: You changed your environment.
0: I changed my environment and I started to do small things that now I know are good for me. At the time, I didn't know. Right. Small steps and moving towards positive habits of things that were good for me. Incrementally, slowly, I started to feel better. The big thing was finding a therapist, but... It was all of these things in combination that I started to feel as well as then a decision that I made after that summer away, I was like, I'm only going to surround myself with people that inspire me, like the kids that I met in, the, in Banff. Like, yeah. that's it. I'm just going to find people that inspire me. And those are the friends I'm going to hang out with because I need that.
1: Right. But the three friends of yours, like who was the one of the four of you who was like, you know, let's make this list. Was it you? Was it someone else that kind of gave you the oh. spark?
0: Good question. I came back from that summer away. I was like, okay, I'd made this decision. I'm only going to hang out with people that inspire me. Uh And there's one kid that came to mind and he was a filmmaker from my neighborhood and his name was Johnny. And I called up Johnny. I was like, Johnny, you make movies. I want to make a movie. I realized that I'd wanted to make a movie, a documentary because he had been making these short films with his buddies. And I was like, that looks like so much fun. I'd always wanted to make like a sketch show with my friends or a TV show or a, a documentary. So I called him up. I was like, he's at McGill. I was like you make movies let's make a movie he's like i was just talking to my friend dave about something exactly like this i said i know dave from high school you call him i'll call your older brother let's get together we can talk about this film we get together this is 2006
1: I know it's like crazy 2006
0: we talk on skype we're like what's this film gonna be about and we kept losing this momentum and creative energy and finally, we're like, screw it. Everyone, just make a list of all the things. If you can make a movie about anything, what would it be? We made this list, all four of us. And then we came back and we all went through our list. And everyone was excited about each one. They're like, that one's a good one, that one's a good one. And someone said, well, why don't we do all these things? And that's where the list started to form. At the same time, Johnny was at English class at McGill, gets assigned a poem called The Buried Life. Right. The Buried Life is a 150-year-old poem written by an old English poet named Matthew Arnold. And it articulated the feeling we were feeling, which was... We had all these things that we wanted to do, but we'd never done them because they were buried. And we had these moments when we got inspired in our life to do the things, but the day-to-day buried them. Life always got in the way. Something popped up that's more important, so we push it. And so we're like, that's the thing that we're feeling. And he talked about it 150 years ago. We're not the first people to feel like this. Let's borrow this name. We'll call this film The Buried Life. And then we made a list of all of our buried dreams. And we're like, okay, we're going to go after all of these dreams. And then we're going to ask people the question, what do you want to do before you die? Because for us, that was the only thing that shook us enough to f- realize what was important was thinking about death. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to die. What do we want to do? So we ask other people that question, and then we'll help them do that. And we'll hit the road for a two-week road trip to tackle our list and help other people. And then we'll make our film, and then we'll go back to school.
1: Right, exactly. And did you ever did you finish your high school thing? Because you dropped out.
0: So I dropped out of university, and I did not go back.
1: You didn't go back. I mean, yep. that's I meant, uh, university. Okay, so then you guys all gathered, your, accumulated your list together. And then that was yeah. the list.
0: Yeah. And it was mainly things that we all wanted to do. Okay. There were some things that like one of us really wanted, like Dave really wanted to ride a bull.
1: I saw, that was crazy, by the way. Yeah. You didn't do it?
0: No, I also had a herniated disc. So oh, so that's, like, a, that's
1: a good idea that you didn't. So then my other question is, so of the list, you didn't necessarily do all 100. You guys, did you guys divvy it up or you did the ones that you wanted? Dave did the ones like you guys. Most
0: of them we did together.
1: Most of them you did yeah. together. So of the 100, you did the majority, like you did. Most
0: of them. and then And then like some of them we did on our own. And then the other thing too is like I've added a lot more to the list than that's in like the original 100.
1: I was going to ask you about that. You probably have a whole new list.
0: Yeah, because as you grow, your list grows and changes with you. So that's the idea. But the original 100 is sort of almost ceremonial. Like I am actively going to after the last four things on the list. Still? Yeah.
1: Oh, I thought the list was done.
0: No, 96 of 100.
1: 96 of 100. Okay, yeah. so which four are left?
0: Go to space, make a movie. I think it's cover of Rolling Stone.
1: Oh yeah, that you didn't. I saw that you didn't get that one. Yep. Yeah, and the go to space. I knew. yep.
0: and uh, host Saturday Night Live.
1: <laughs> so you have four left to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I was like, what if he's like? So those are on the old list. And how many do you have on your new list?
0: It's very. It changes. You know, like I. So the the idea is for me, is that your list becomes a way of life because your list is a reflection of all the things that are going to bring you true joy and happiness. And it's a reflection of your Mm -hmm. true self. So you get buried by the day to day. This is the reality. Most people at the end of their life, they regret the things they didn't do. And those are the things that are typically on what I think your list should be. So your list is not just bungee jump. It's not just skydive. It's not just travel to Italy. That's adventure and travel related goals is one of 10 categories that you think about. That's what's in the bucket list journal, 10 different categories of life. Really what I think you're trying to do is figure out what your true course is. And there's this great line in the Buried Life poem called Tracking Our True Original Course. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is our sole goal is unlocking the gifts that only we have. I totally agree with that. And I think most people, there's too much fear to move towards those things. But I believe everyone has a responsibility to unlock those gifts because you're the only person that is able to do that. I I can't do what you do. These are things that you are born with, and you have totally true a innate ability that only you have. Therefore, you have a responsibility.
1: Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your own online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the, do we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're online courses or a physical product, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever or whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with their internet's best converting checkout. It's actually 36% better on average compared to any other leading commerce platform. And sell more with less efforts thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hustle. That's all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash hustle now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash hustle. Have you guys tried Factor yet? Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Factor now offers loads of snack options too, and like breakfast and smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on my schedule. And when things get super hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So head to factormeals.com slash hustle 50 and use code Habits and Hustle 50 to get 50% off. That's code Habits and Hustle 50 at factormeals.com slash habits and hustle fifty to get fifty percent off. But you know what? I think a lot of times people don't even know what they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but what I I think what you also said was it's interesting because You're right. Like it's, I believe there are buckets in the bucket list, right? Like not everything, you're not going to self-actualize by just go by bungee jumping and hella skiing, right? Like that's in a bucket of adventure and cool shit to do, right? Mm -hmm. What are the other buckets within the bucket list that you think are super important?
0: Relationships. Mm -hmm. Because one of the top five regrets of the dying is I wish I would have stayed in contact with friends. So we don't invest in the relationships that are important because there's no deadlines to do so. And so we push them under the rug.
1: That's the We problem. don't
0: tell people how we really feel as well, because it's uncomfortable. So that's another, I think that's in the relationship category. Intellectual, what do you want to learn? I think creative, the creative bucket is huge as well. Because for me, what I realized when I told you that when I started this process back in 2006, I started to feel this sense of purpose and well-being, because I was creatively expressing myself. I was starting to make this film with my friends and I realized that creative expression is just your true self coming out, like Mm -hmm. purely, right? When you do something like sing or play an instrument or dance or do art, there's no, you're not thinking how to do it. You're expressing this true expression, which puts you into a flow state, which is also therapeutic. So I think creativity is an often overlooked pillar of wellness. And it's also a category of life that you want to think about. And then you have mental health, you have physical health, you have finance, your financial goals, you have your professional goals, you have how do you want to give back? That's another big one. Impact. And adventure travel. And these are not weighted any differently. There's no rules with the Mm -hmm. bucket list. The only rule is that it's important to you. And don't minimize these things that you may tell yourself are not important. Like even something like bungee jump or go to yoga, or learn the violin, you think, ah, you know what, like, I can, I can skip my violin class, like, the family needs me, or this, and And like, yes, you have responsibilities, but don't undermine the importance of these small things that energize you to be who you truly are, so that then you can take care of those around you.
1: No, I I think that's exactly true, and I think why this is, like, you struck a chord for so long for so, like you know, with so many people, it's because everybody knows that to be true. And then our own life gets in the way, right? And the things that we think are so important are not that important. Like, oh, we got to like work an hour long, we're going to send this email, we got to do this, we got to do that. And those are the stupid minutiae things in life that make us not do the things that really fulfill us. And so I guess like, this is just me talking, but okay, first of all, have you heard of Build Your Life Resume with Jesse Itzler? Yeah. He does something very similar. It's like very, I feel like a lot of people now are jumping on this bandwagon that you started 2000, in 2006, right? Like, and people are, are recognizing the importance of it because their life is like speeding up fast, yep. right? So how do people take action? Like we talk about all the time, how, like, you know, take action, momentum. This, How does someone who's not naturally that way start?
0: Sit down, grab a journal and write your list. That's the first step. Write your goals down because it forces you to slow down and think about what's important to you. So the first piece is slowing down to reflect and actually check in and think about, okay, what do I want? Or check in with your partner. What do we want? Or check in with your family. What do we as a family, what's important to us? What are our goals? Where, do, So that you can live with intention.
1: A lot of times, though, the family is the reason why, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm being totally yeah, frank, yeah, yeah. is the reason why a lot of people's like personal, individual, self... actualization doesn't happen because they have kids and they have responsibilities and they have obligations. And then those obligations are louder than anything else because of guilt and everything else that happens.
0: So, so let's put that aside for now in terms of like the, I think it's a great exercise to do with your family and your partner, but let's just look at
1: Mm
2: -hmm. your
0: goals because those (laughs) need to come first and you got to serve yourself in order to be able to show up as the best version of yourself, to be the best mom, to be the best dad, to be the best partner, et cetera, et cetera. So it feels selfish, but it's actually not. And it's a balance. And I understand that you know there's just the reality of life where you can't sometimes do that. But I think that it's important to go through this process where you start to identify the things that are important to you and put them down on paper. Because when you write something down, it builds accountability. Totally. Because you take something that doesn't exist and you make it real. So now your goal, your dream is in front of you it's tangible so you've actually created accountability now you have a reminder that it exists so that when you get buried by the day to day you're able to come back to that and be like here's my north star so you also force yourself to slow down to think about the things that are important to you when you write your list mm-hmm. or you write down your goals and it kind of is the easiest first step and that's what you want to do is you want to take the most approachable first step because it's like pushing a boulder right that first step is always the hardest but once you get it going you create momentum. Mm-hmm. Most people don't take the first step. So you, what's the easiest thing? Write it down. If you feel overwhelmed by looking at a blank piece of paper and thinking, what are all my goals and dreams? Break it up into the categories of life. What are my physical health goals? What are my mental health goals? Like, what is it? Something, anything is going to bring me a sense of well-being. How do I want to give back? What are my relationship goals? You know, adventure travel. Like, you can use the Bucket List Journal website just to look at those categories. So that's the first step. You write them down. The second step is to choose one goal that you feel is very important to you that you want to move towards. And if you can't think about that, you can imagine (laughs) that you come across a magic lamp and a genie pops out and genie's like, it's your lucky day. I'm going to help you accomplish one thing on your list. But by helping you do this thing, you can never do anything else on your list. So what do you choose? That will probably be the most important thing. The most
1: important thing.
0: So this is your thing. And now you start to share you talk about it because when you talk about it you build more accountability and again like if you look at the research out of cornell there's a psychologist named dr gilovich who found that there's three barriers that stop us from pursuing these personal passions there's no deadlines so we have to create accountability you're usually waiting to feel inspired or you're waiting for the perfect time but you create your own inspiration through action and the fear of what other people think or fear of failure stops you so you look at the fear and we can talk about that but So those are the problems you're trying to solve. So anything you can do to create accountability, that to me feels like the key. Because if you look at the workplace, Mm -hmm. all we have at the workplace are structures of accountability. Accountability works. You have leaders to keep you accountable. You have a salary that keeps you accountable. You don't want to let down your team that keeps you accountable. You don't want to look bad that keeps you accountable. That's why you do the work. That's why you stay late and do the email. All those things. How can you take those same structures of accountability, build them around the personal goals? You write down your goals, you talk about them, so you feel like if I tell you, you know, I am going to go heli skiing next year, it's my number one thing on the list, and I bump into you and you're like, oh my God, how's heli skiing? Like, are you going? And it's like, shit, I'm like, I better book that trip, right?
1: I totally agree.
0: So you, you share it, and you take that goal, you break that goal down into the easiest three steps you can do in the next 48 hours, and you get someone to keep you accountable an accountability, buddy. Yeah. So I say, Jen, I I'm going heli skiing. I want you to be my accountability buddy. I'm going to send you updates anytime. Like, boom, I just booked the trip. You know, I just, uh, I'm going skiing this weekend to do cat skiing to train, you know, you're 77% more likely to achieve your goal. If you send regular updates to an accountability buddy, or maybe you check in on me. How's How's heli skiing training going or whatever? Like if you're writing a book, you can see this actually like works really well. Yeah. I'm like sending you the chapters like fitness. I mean, it's like you it's train like, I, with the partners. It's all it is.
1: Well, anything. And also the truth of the matter is all these things that people think, like you were saying, and I, I say this all the time, that seems selfish. Like I'm there's a non-negotiable in my life. Like I need to work out every day. I don't care like from hell or high water. If I don't, I'm not good to anybody. I'm like in a terrible mood. I'm not as efficient. I'm not as effective. I feel gross. And so therefore that kind of comes out right so i think you do have to take care of yourself to, yeah. to be the best version of you in every other area of your life i think people say they sometimes try to convince themselves that that it's selfish so then they don't have to act i think yeah. we have a lot of excuses in our brains of why we're not doing what we want to do should do because of the fear because of the self-doubt or just because sometimes pure like laziness to start yeah you know and and so that's that's what I was going to say, but what of all the stuff? What was the what was your thing? The number one, if you had the genie, that you thought was the number one thing.
0: Ooh, like back then or now? Yeah,
1: back then and now. I so, mean, so I, if a genie said I, you could pick one, I
0: think for back then it was make a TV show. That was the big dream. That you was know, the big make one. Make a show with my friends for my friends.
1: So good, and then I want to talk about that. What is it now?
0: Now it's, it's make, a, make a movie. It's uh, make the documentary, the Buried Life documentary.
1: So the fact that this is still going on, I said this to you before we started, like you've like milked this whole bucket list more. I mean, it's God bless you. You've done an amazing job at milking it for like 18 years already. Yeah, yeah. You're going around talking about it all the time. You did the show. Like, it's like, you. are you at all sick of talking about it? Be honest, like a little?
0: No? I honestly, no, because it's changed. And I think that like, and this is something that we were talking about before, but you have this thing that you do and you do it and then you get tired of it. Mm -hmm. And then you either keep doing it and become unhappy and you're in a job that you don't like for a long time. Right. Or you change. Right. But what happens is like when you do something and you run out of inspiration and you create space, you can get re-inspired by that thing and so I took like four or five years building a production company with the same guys. And we did other sh- TV shows and stuff like that. And then I did it. I got invited to do a TEDx talk. I did the TEDx talk.
1: That was eight years ago yeah. though, right? Yeah. Someone
0: saw it. Two years later, I got invited. I started speaking five years ago and I did this talk on my own and I was like energized. I was, I was just new right away. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I got re-inspired because I found just my own expression of what this is. I re imagined what it was and then I started to like peel back the onion yeah and I was like oh my god this is so much deeper than we thought I read the article by Dr. Gilovich that talked about 76% of people on their deathbed their biggest regret is not living for them they live for other people or they live a life that they thought they should live and they die and they look back on their life and they're like
2: fuck so true I blew
0: it three quarters of the population. I was like, how are not more people talking about this? This is the biggest problem we are facing as human beings if this is our biggest regret. So how do we solve this problem? And I realized that's all I've been doing. The list is a reflection of who you truly are. And most people don't even know that they're not living the life that they should be living. And I realized that there's this huge connection between mental health and purpose, which is when I started to share my story of my depression and I realized that this unlock of purpose as a as a driver to fuel you to be who you truly are and, and feel like you're mentally just able to express yourself. And I just started like going deeper and deeper. And then I realized, oh shit, there's all these applications in the workplace too. Like people stay at a company where they feel like they can be the true expression of themselves. So leaders should encourage their teams to follow their dreams. Not try and keep them, but enable them to find purpose outside of work and find purpose inside work, so that they feel fulfilled and they stay in an environment where they feel like they can be that true self. And that's why I keep going back to companies again and again. Because you once once you create an environment where people feel like they can just be themselves, they want to stay.
1: I was going to say the opposite. Like I would say, like I'm I'm shocked that Coke and Walmart want you because I would think that you would go up there and give people this like resurrection, like. F- I don't want to be doing this stupid job. I want to like live my life. I want to like become a chef or I want to like move to Italy or whatever it is. And that would be very scary for companies to have someone like you give people that like inner.
0: So, and it it used to be, that was the main way of thinking when I first started speaking, I had to be very careful about how I positioned my talk and what I've realized and what I think happened over COVID and now leaders are starting to realize is that it's much more costly for them. Mental health is the biggest cost to companies mm-hmm. for disability, and it's the biggest cost to productivity. Full stop. Yeah. Right? It is more costly for them to not address their team's mental well-being and purpose and fulfillment than it is to have some people who feel like they shouldn't be there leave. And if you're in a company where people like you want to leave, you're not doing a good job. Right? So you're true. checked out. You're coasting. So it's better for you to find someone, and that actually takes like. Then connecting back to what is our purpose? How are we actually making an impact in the world and in our people? And they create these programs that are pretty, pretty amazing. And so it's, and if you look at the the research, and that's why there's a great book called The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly, which talks about this exact same model of identifying a dream and then keeping the team accountable to that dream, you build an affinity towards your leader, you Mm -hmm. build an affinity towards your team, you start to you create a culture where there's peer to peer facilitation of dreams right and then you have community and then you have people helping each other achieve these things and everyone is 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 and rising did, yeah. but you got to work you got to make money there's going to be things about work that you don't like but you great example you can have two people that are doing the exact same job working the exact same amount of hours and one person can be completely burnt out and one person can just be a ball of energy and a lot of times it's because when they leave work they're doing things that fuel them.
1: So that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't necessarily think that people have this conception that your work has to be your purpose.
0: Great. It's, it's a great point.
1: Right? Like, why does that necessarily have to be correlated? Why can't you work because you need to make money and then live the rest of your life for purpose? They don't have to be connected.
0: It's dangerous sometimes if they're connected because when, you're, when your passion becomes your work, then your passion becomes a business. Mm-hmm. And when your passion becomes a business, then that means it's about money and you compromise the creative integrity and the the purity of your passion. So you're an entrepreneur. You understand that. I understand that. There is, there's great beauty in just following the things that you love to do just to do them because they fill you up. 100%. And you look at like... Sometimes I envy people that have a nine to five because I'm like, you start your job at nine, you're done at
1: five.
0: 100%. I'm never done. And I love the idea of just clocking out and just doing whatever I want until 10 p.m.
1: I know something happened. We got it twisted somewhere because what happened was people started to think that being an entrepreneur was sexy. Yep. And it became a a really cool hashtag. And that working for the man or corporate or whatever is is nasty and selling out. Yep. When the reality is... People don't. The psychology of it has been twisted. The reality is, it's a lot easier to have a job you go to, do your thing. Are you okay? Do you want a bib? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I've never ben Spilling how to drink. Is, is basically trying to sip it's water. It's a ketone IQ. It's,
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on a different dimension. I can just I can just pour the water into my face and I'll absorb it through my skin.
1: <laughs> he doesn't know. He he forgot that he forgot how to like sip from a glass. It's yeah. okay. I can get you a straw.
0: We don't learn that in the West Coast of Canada. You probably learned it. <laughs> well,
1: what? How to sip from a yeah, cup yeah, yeah. or not to use a straw or? Yeah, yeah, both. <laughs> or not to use a bib. Either way, we can get you a bib if you'd like. But the fact that there was something happened, I forgot what I was even saying, but I, I think I was on the track of there was something that got twisted with entrepreneurship, working for corporate America, and how that became evil. And if you're doing that, then you're selling out and all these other things. But the reality is like, when you work from a, from a job eight to four, kind of, actually, it's much easier. You it, have your whole life to like do other things.
0: It is easier. You know, I mean, so if that aligns with you and what you want to do. So that, I think, is the distinction. Like, I think if you have this dream to do something, which means you are then going to have to become an entrepreneur to yes. start it, you have to do it. Right. You have to try it. Even if it fails, that's great. You tried it. Now you won't have that regret at the end of your life. Keep going, right? You learn something about yourself, or maybe you succeed and great. Like, But either way, it's a win. But I don't think everybody has that innate drive to create something and there's nothing wrong with that
1: that's the, the thing there's nothing wrong with nothing that. nothing wrong with that's that. that's the point
0: i think it's the same i i would also argue that there's this, this same school of thought around or this this idea that in the last 10 15 years it, like for women too to become the ultra woman boss to be yes and not start a family too
1: much to its detriment
0: Too to, exactly and not embracing their femininity and like and I think that that is also a destructive narrative because for a lot of women, that is their purpose to do. And I think that like we're also swinging back to that. I think you're seeing it with a lot of the thought leadership coming back to what is success? Is success building a business? Is it making money? Is it, or is right now my definition of success sleep through the night because it means I'm not worried and anxious about anything. I'm excited to get out of bed and I have fun during the day. Like that, 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 th- those are the three things that I am trying to move towards. And so I think we get caught up in this, like the, the grind and, and the idea of what we think success is, but is that really what success is for you? And that's why you stop and you write your list. Cause you need to decide what is your success. Cause I wasn't living my success and I got depressed and anytime I get depressed and I've been through three or four pretty heavy depressions in the last 15 years, each time I go through depression. There's a big area of my life that is not in alignment. I'm not being authentic in a big area of my life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, like the production company. I did not love it. I started to get depressed. Why didn't you like it? Because 99% of the stuff that I created never got seen. It was just like production is you're you're creating ideas that no one ever sees.
1: Yeah. What what kind of ideas were were they? They were were all TV
0: shows. Yeah. So like unscripted. So we made like, you know, a couple MTV shows. We did a show, you know, for Freeform and a bunch of like, we made like four or five shows, but we developed like 70 great (laughs) ideas. How many? Probably 70. Yeah.
1: And you, how many did you sell? though? Sold
0: four shows.
1: Okay. That's still good.
0: And we sold maybe like 10, 15 pilots, but again, like you And none
1: of them got made.
0: That's no, just the way it goes, especially if you're a young production company. It's like, it's wow. a battle. And well, I didn't love the the work. You ended up being a, you were like working at an ad agency. You had clients that the net, like the network paid the bills. They told you what the show was going to be at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. you could fight for it, fight for it. But this idea that you have ultimately would be chiseled away to this thing that you didn't care about by the time it went on air because you're like, I'm over it.
1: Yeah, totally true. You know, this podcast was sold to NBC as a TV show mm. and then... Again, same it went into like a black hole of nothingness for God knows how long. And they couldn't even decide who the it wasn't called habits and castle, it was called game changers. And it was back and forth forever about even who to do the pilot with, for God's sakes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is like mind-numbingly horrible. Yeah. That like I was like, there's no way I'm gonna put the dest- my destiny in some other person's hands. I'll just like do this little podcast for a while and see what happens. And it ended up being better, like better for me because it was much more in alignment. To what I wanted to do, which was talk to who I wanted to talk to on my schedule, on, you know, doing it in my, you know, house versus having to deal with all the nonsense. And, you know, again, like by taking, just taking action, opportunity just presents itself in ways that you never even knew existed by just going down that path.
0: So I think this is a really important point. And you asked me like, how have you been able to do this for so long?
1: Mm-hmm milking it is what I said. Yeah. milking I
0: think that was actually what you said. Yeah. A couple of yeah. times, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> four or five. But who's so couching?
0: like what, so what you did there was you were going down this path that most people go down, which is a television show. Mm-hmm. And that is what success is. And you realized that it was some, for whatever reason, it wasn't, it wasn't working for you. Like you weren't being inspired by it anymore. So you pivoted, you followed your inspiration, Mm -hmm. you followed energy. So I think it's like, you have to follow the energy. So as you follow this, whatever it is, maybe it's the excitement, maybe it's this energy. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this podcast the way I want to do it, the way that excites me, the way that lights me up, which is on my own schedule in my house with the people I want. And you did that. And then you continued to see this momentum that was building. You kept following it. Yeah. And you followed what you loved. You followed this natural ease. That means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That yeah. means your life is in alignment. in alignment and you're in flow.
1: In that area.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I have done with this thing. I know now that this is a core universal truth. People are buried. They're going to get more and more buried as the years go on because of technology, because of the pace of life, because of the internet, everything. If Matthew Arnold felt like this 170 years ago, and I felt like this 17, 18 years ago, and people still feel like it now more than ever, like this is a core thing. What you speak about, right? this is a core truth, but you need to continue to move in the energy or in the direction of the energy that, that lights you up. Because that's gonna mean that means that you're gonna be able to sort of act on it in the way that only you can. So that's the idea. It's like figure out the thing that you want to do and then follow that energy. And so it's a it's collecting data, right? That's why you write your list and you talk about it and you start to take small steps. Where's
1: that bucket list? I want to look at it again. Did you put it somewhere? Oh, here it is. Yeah. You take small steps.
0: Because you take small steps and just look at it like an experiment doesn't matter. You're just collecting information. Yeah. So you, tr- you, you start your podcast. You're like, okay, if you could have gotten in your own way a hundred times, never started it. Right. But finally you're like, I'm just going to put the first one out. You put the first one out. You're like, okay, that was awful. But actually this part worked and looks like these people like this. And so I'm going to do more of this. I do- you're collecting data and you're just seeing if you like to do it.
1: Well, also, the, the, what stops a lot of people is the overthinking. You can outthink yourself to doing anything, and you yeah. don't have to have all the answers. You can just basically just know that it's not, not going to be perfect, and that's okay. And a lot of times, the best things happen from imperfection, right? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. No. And, you know, that's what I kind of, that's my message, that it, what's better than perfect is actually having something. That's actually much better, right? Like, or you have to think to yourself, like, why not me? If it can happen to this Schmendrik, it can happen to me. Like, don't always put your, these people on a pedestal who've done it all and be like, wow, like, I wish I can never do that. Yeah, you can. The only difference between you and that person who succeeded is that they actually went through the process and did it. They didn't take no for an answer and they persisted. They were brave. They were brave. That's what it is. They were bold. I say bold, but you know.
0: I say brave. I know.
1: I say I, <laughs> I say guess tomato. this is not going to work. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I guess, yeah, you no, know, it's,
0: it's true. Like you typically will look at someone that you don't know that's succeeding and yeah. think they're better than me. They're smarter than me. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with people that inspire you. Mm-hmm. Because when you see your friends do incredible things, you don't say they're better than me. You say, I know that person. They're not better than me. They're the same.
1: Exactly. And if they did
0: that, I wonder what I can do. You get inspired by them. And that's why that one decision that I made to surround myself with people that inspire me changed my life forever. I still subscribe to that. And I get lifted up by the people around me subconsciously.
1: A hundred percent. Just
0: by the fact that they're doing cool and interesting things. I see them achieve something. I'm like, man, that's incredible. I wonder, like I, sh- I could probably do this other thing that I'm thinking. And the other crazy thing, this is the, the big mind fuck is like, okay, if I look back at what started this for me back in 2006, and this actually was the spark for all three of my friends and me was our friend from high school that started a clothing line out of nowhere. And we were all like, oh my God, how did you do that? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, how did you start the clothing line? You don't have any experience in production and clothes and how did you, you took out a loan, what? And he's like, what do you mean? I just did it. And I was like, whoa.
1: What is it? What was the clothing line called? Is it around?
0: Well, this is the thing. It's not around anymore. Okay. It wasn't a success, but he inspired all of us to do Buried Life. Buried Life inspired a whole bunch of other people to do their thing. If he would not have started that clothing line none of this would have happened. And so you look at that, you're like, that's, uh, was not a success. Dude, he changed the world. You do what you love. You inspire other people to do what they love. And that ripple effect goes far beyond what you'll ever know.
1: So that's the ripple effect that you talk about. That's amazing. So is that what you speak about in all these keynotes?
0: I do talk about the ripple effect of trying to give people permission to go after the things that they love by saying that by you doing that, You're going to give other people permission to do the thing that they love, just like you doing this thing that you love. How many people have been like, you inspired me to do this. You inspired me to do that. Countless.
1: Yeah. I did a TED talk about being bold, actually, that went viral. And how many people, like I think about 50,000 people said that they because of that boldness, they did something bold that then changed their life, that changed someone else's life, which is 100% true. So
0: imagine if you could measure that.
1: That would be super cool. Yeah. How do you? If you can you figure that out? Is there an That's algorithm? That's what I want to
0: do in the documentary. Really? Yeah. Is, is I quantify the the ripple effect? That's.
1: If you can figure that out, would you use AI for that, or how would you even do that? How do you quantify? I don't that?
0: know. It's 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 something that is, I think, so cool because it's so proof. Cool. It's proof that one person can change the world. It's proof that one person can create an incredible impact. And so knowing that then you stop thinking about what your definition of success is.
1: Totally true. Because
0: just by being yourself, you're inspiring other people to be themselves and that changes the world. And so that's the big idea. And there's a ripple effect when you do what you love, but there's also a ripple effect when you help someone. Because when you help someone, like you said, you help this person through the TED Ted Talk, but that actually helped their family. Mm -hmm. That helped their friends. So you help the people that are connected to them. And so small acts of kindness can create these huge ripple. You can save someone's life by giving them a compliment. Right, like it's not an exaggeration. Someone could
1: totally be true. walking
0: towards the bridge to jump off, and you could just be the one person in their life that just showed them any type of kindness and humanity, and they just thought, you know what? Like, there's stories like
1: that. I know, there's a lot of stories, by the way, like that. I, I think that that is that's actually a super cool concept. If you can actually quantify that, that would be incredible. I would imagine that that is that what you're really working on right now in the documentary.
0: Yeah. That's why we're talking with that group to.
1: Yeah, I won't say the name, but that's if you if you can do that. That I mean, I I think it would be amazing. Did you know Americans spend an average of ninety percent of their time indoors and take about twenty thousand breaths a day? I didn't. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And in some cases, even 100 times more polluted. And the data shows that an air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally. Wow. So then what's the solution? I'm going to introduce you to an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets all over the world, like CNN, Money, ABC, and it's called Air Doctor, Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. And Air Doctor purifiers also have a feature called WhisperJet that makes the fans 30% quieter than any other ordinary air purifier. And Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code HUSTLE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. And exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So lock this special offer in by going to A I R D O C T O R P R O and use promo code HUSTLE now. Fun fact, did you know our brains thrive on ketones? Ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier and act as fuel for the brain, helping you achieve and sustain peak mental clarity. And guess what? You don't need to be in ketosis to take advantage of ketones. That's why I turn to Ketone IQ by HVMN wherever I need my brain to be as functioning at its highest capacity. For days when I have back-to-back podcast recordings and I need my brain to be super sharp... Ketone IQ helps without fail. Just one shot is all you need to enter into that flow state of energy. And bonus benefit, ketone suppresses your appetite. So I'll drink a ketone IQ shot first thing in the morning before I hit the gym. And I even have incredible energy without any crashes. And I'm able to crush a workout before breakfast. So I'm totally sold. It's been a lifesaver for trying to balance my career, my kids, my workouts, and Everything else in between. So if you want to try it out for yourself, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash gen. Again, visit hvmn.com slash gen and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Woohoo! You know, also you said something I was listening to, I think your TED, was it a TED talk? I don't know, but you said something and I was like, wow, that was really profound, little Ben, because (laughs) you know what you said? You said that most people shoot for the middle. So it's actually the most competitive is what you said. Unrealistic goals are less competitive because nobody is going for them. And that is a hundred percent true. And I was like, you know what? That is so wise and true right because people think oh i can't get there so they don't even try so the competition is so much less like the thing that you did like when you when you like when you guys played basketball with like obama right like the president of the of the united states that is so crazy to me that you were able to do that you were able to do that but you have not yet been on the cover of rolling stones which is kind of funny <laughs> but like because he has so much security around him. he's got so much everything but i bet you how many people actually really like, they may want to do that but how many people actually truly attempted to play with him? Probably not many.
0: Totally, and that's the thing. And you know why that's so wise? That thing that you said is yeah. because I didn't say it in the beginning. Oh,
2: you didn't say <laughs> it. No, but oh, damn it. but you know
0: who said that? Okay, who? Tim Ferriss. Yeah, but I I did talk about it in my. Tim did
1: Tim Fe- did did he say it or did he take it from someone else? The ripple effect.
0: Probably, the, yeah. I don't been. think well, he said I, it. I I would argue that most things that people say are not original thoughts. But you, I agree. But you, But that's fine because you're saying them in a way that resonates now in a a, a bit of a different way. You say bold. I say brave. Hey, we're going to break bread. We're going to get over this.
1: (laughs) I know. I hope so. I really do. I like you so much. I mean, I don't know if I can. (laughs) It's going to take me a minute. This is a
0: big divide.
1: (laughs) Also, Victoria... Toronto, East Coast, West Coast. I mean, it's a little different, yeah. but the same. You know,
0: you hippies in the suits. Yeah,
1: it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> but we'll get. We can. We can make it. We, we can, can do it. We can move past this. Let's we do can, a therapy session. After we this. should. We should. We can call one of your therapists since you do. You do have I one. Have on speed a lot. Spe- As I said, do you have one on speed dial? In my favorites, of course. Okay, well, because you said you also struggled for with depression many times. Yeah. So once was the production company. Once was the production company. Once was the rugby, and when you were younger. What yeah. was the other time?
0: Once was I. Uh, when i realized that a relationship wasn't right long term relationship
1: were you really depressed or were you just like in a in a in a
0: no i was you know so the 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 good thing about going through your first sort of mental health crisis or yeah. struggle or whatever by the way everyone goes through one like this is just if you look at the research like we'll all go through some sort of mental health struggle not necessarily from a mental health uh, a mental illness but like bereavement from a loss or Any, stress yeah. or a divorce or getting fired so like, let's just go out and say, like, this happens to human beings. If you are struggling right now, you're. there's more people struggling right now than ever. Please talk about it. Talk about it with someone that you love or a therapist. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken. You haven't lost anything. You know, I've had conversations with friends lately that are going through a tough time and they think that they are not the person they used to be. Mm-hmm. And it's they are the same person. They've just lost touch with those things that they are those those ways of being that they used to feel that now they are not able to tap into right so but they don't go anywhere you never lost them like when i felt depressed i was like they're just buried they're buried i was like i'll never be that guy again i can't even imagine going out and talking with somebody let alone like being out in public and having fun at a party or being a type and being a happy-go-lucky guy well guess what i still am that guy that's part of who i am but you lose touch with those feelings, but they don't go anywhere. So it's just about doing small little positive habits and you'll slowly start to feel like you're climbing yourself out of this thing, but you have to commit to doing those things even when you don't feel like it.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's hard to note, recognize that when you're in the moment, but I think that everyone feels that way. And it's always the people though I find that you least expect. If like someone looks perfect, usually underneath, they're like, probably struggling with something. Yeah,
0: Or if they're super talented, it's yeah. just a balance. It, I
1: totally. That's so true too. Like
0: I think people that are gifted also struggle the most because it's just they're so gifted in this one area, but there's this other area of their life where they have blind spots. So they're just not as evolved. No, and so it's it, so true
1: because everything they've they've dominated in one area so much that it's just yep. it's like that's like kind of like how how life balance itself out, yeah,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. I
1: totally find. But how do you tell people in the moment when they're in that moment? that, oh, it's going to get better. You just have to do these positive things. Like you were lucky when you were young that your friends actually got you to a place where you actually left to go to Banff. Like most people would be like, fuck off, get out of my house and not do it. You know what I mean? Like you You show up,
0: you show up for your friends. You have, you got to show up again and again and call them and show, make them feel that you're there for them and that you, that you know that they're going to get through this. And you have to push them to do those things, right? Like they have to also, you know, sometimes you can't help people if they don't ultimately want to help themselves. But you know, if this is someone that's like going through it for the first time, then for me, it's like, I know I've been there. I know what that's like, you haven't done this before. It's like going through the creative process for the first time. You go through it and it's like, there's always a moment where you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how we're going to do this. This is a total clusterfuck it's and then you get over that hump and all of a sudden it comes together and you've created something. Yeah. It's the same, like this arc of going through this struggle. You're like, you're through the mud and then you start to see as you get through it, you look back you're like, oh yeah, I know why this happened to me.
1: Right. You don't you, know in the moment. No. You connect the dots. That's also what's like, like these people who people, oh, by the way, I don't think that people are so much looking for advice. They're looking for someone to believe in them more than advice. Like you can chit chat all you want, but if, it's someone, yep. if you have someone who believes in you, I think it, get, it gets you much further. But yep. I want to talk more about, you have here, five steps to make the impossible possible. So you said the accountability piece of writing stuff down. Yep. What's the other stuff?
0: Write it down. Share it.
1: Share it. Yeah. What was the other ones?
0: So it's, it's be unstoppable, which is really about like creating your own inspiration through action. So taking small steps, even if you don't know how you're going to achieve it, you create your own momentum. So mood follows action as Rich Roll would say. So it's like, you're the architect of your own inspiration by taking action. Right. And I think too, that it's sometimes we don't know what we're capable of, or we don't know what's possible until we're there doing it. So yeah. you can't even imagine yourself doing it until you've made it. And you're like, Oh my God. We're here. Yeah. And so that is all just reinforcement around this idea of like, okay, you just got to keep taking small steps and you'll start to to feel that inspiration. So you don't wait for it. You create it. The other is be brave. Be bold, I mean. Yes. Thank you.
1: And <laughs> oh my God, you keep on saying it. It's like you're like torturing me here. <laughs> God.
0: Be bold. Yeah. Be bold. And and that is moving through fear. So this is the big one. This is the big barrier that everyone, most people, this is the big stopping point. I'm afraid what other people will think, or I'm afraid to fail. And that's what Dr. Gilovich found through his research. This is the number one barrier. So you look at, okay, let's look at the fear of what other people think. Doesn't go away. You get better at it. Some people, very rare, they just give no fucks. Most people
1: don't. Most people, by the way, don't even care what you're doing. People think that people care. You don't give a shit. You're too busy thinking about yourself.
0: Exactly. People do not care. And so you're worried, you're making up this Whole thing, and people aren't even thinking about you. No, so it's it's ba- it's basically Especially like in LA. you know what it is. It's like a, it's like you're you're a mime comes over and a mime is like uh, miming that you're in a box mm-hmm. and you're like oh f- how am I going to get out of this box? I just got to wait until someone comes and opens it for me. And there's no box there. It's like that's the fear. It doesn't it.
1: It's, it's a mirage, basically.
0: And so and then you, you're also afraid of failure because you're afraid of what other people think. But the failure is great. The failure, it means you're learning about yourself. The failure is a pivot in the right direction. That discomfort that you feel is growth. So it's it's a positive thing. You you just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then you start to realize, oh, this doesn't go away, this feeling. I'm never going to be ready enough so that I don't feel the fear of getting on stage for the first time. You're just going to feel it. But you know that's part and parcel with doing something that means something to you. So you actually should think, well, great, this is like the difference between anxiety and excitement. Very delicate very, difference. Like
1: it's a hair. It's not it's, like hair. it's
0: basically. It's very so similar that when I used to feel yeah totally anxious about going on stage, I would then think to myself, oh, perfect, I'm excited, and I could shift that anxiety into excitement because that meant that this was a. A meaningful talk. So,
1: are you, are you? Do you ever get anxiety anymore? Because you're so you've done like what well, you said, two hundred last year or something crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't get anxiety often, or I, and I get excited. But but I would get anxiety if I did a toast at my friend's wedding. Right. right? I would get anxiety if I did a TED talk, for sure.
1: Right, but not because you have, do you do the same keynote all the time? Or do you have a few I've, that you interchange? I have interchange? Few
0: different keynotes, and then I change. So my process is like. I I spend a lot of time learning about the goals and the stresses and the impact that they're making. So I, when I articulate the ripple effect, I need to know how they actually impact people and the work they do. When I talk about the how leadership cares about them, I need to understand do they actually care and how do they care. So I reinforce all these things that the company does through my message. So it's it's oh so it's you this, interweave
1: them into the yeah, yeah
0: yeah. So I send along a questionnaire, then I get on a call with them. I figure out how they give back and i figure out what they're what they're struggling with and then i relate that to my story so you know there's 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 a lot of the similar arcs but it's like the these Pillars. pieces i i put in it. and i think that's really important as a speaker so that you're not just doing the canned speech again right and again.
1: so what are your topics really I'm cu- and now i'm just curious so that
0: it's basically impossible to possible is like sort of one big idea of achieving the impossible then there's rethinking mental health. And that has like this, I talk about my mental health toolkit, which are habits that I have learned. Like, you know, when I said, I think that there's your struggles can be your strengths when you really embrace them. Because through these areas in my life where I've hit lows, I've really been forced to learn stuff about myself. Mm -hmm. Just like you're forced to learn stuff about yourself when you go through a breakup. That's why it's really hard. You can't, you got to look in the mirror. So it's a, it's an opportunity for you to really figure out who you are and, and, and learn things about yourself. So I learned these habits.
1: What were the habits for mental health?
0: So they are, these are also, I put my mental health toolkit as on my Instagram bio, so you can download the toolkit if you click Thanks. on the.
1: Thanks. So then they, they don't have to listen to the podcast. They could just go on your Instagram.
0: I thought we were just done right now. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, the no, no. There's yeah. a lot.
0: There's a lot. There's okay. What
1: do you mean? How many are in the toolkit?
0: Uh, there's like, you know, 10 or 12. Yeah.
1: Can you give me five?
0: I can give you them all if I can remember them. Okay. okay. So let's start with the easy ones. Purpose, right? That's oh, okay. why you have a bucket yep. list. Nature. Okay. Just being out in nature for 20 minutes makes you feel happier. That's why in Japan, doctors will will prescribe forest bathing to patients that are feeling anxious and depressed. Just go out in nature. Don't have to exercise. You're going to feel a sense of well-being. I don't know if you've heard of this thing called exercise.
1: Never heard of it. Is oh, it good? You should do it. Really? You should try it. I want to try it. What, should, what's it about? What do you do? I
0: have no idea.
1: <laughs> is, it like, is it like you basically just move around or? It's like Zumba. Like Zumba, <laughs> but a little different. Yeah. Okay.
0: Exercise. You should You should definitely try it. I'm going to try Release it. Releases the Thanks. serotonin and dopamine. Mm, um, makes good. you feel happier. But I think actually what's interesting about exercise that I felt like I needed to go to the gym or do like a proper workout and I never had time. And then I was just like, I'm just going to do like every th- time I get up in the morning, I'm going to do like, push-ups still I can't do anymore I'm gonna do sit-ups still I can't do anymore and that's it or I'm gonna do pull-ups and I'm gonna do like uh squat jumps like seven minutes five minutes three and that was like really kicked off my well-being physically
1: is that what you still do
0: I try and do that but now I have like I have more of a routine in the gym
1: do you go to the gym then do you like lift weights now
0: now, right, as of now, I've been doing yeah, strength training and then You weren't doing play it tennis.
1: You play tennis. Not pickleball? No, I was, just
0: only, I was only doing... Pickleball was my gateway drug to tennis, which yes. is a real sport.
1: It's a real sport. But pickleball is so freaking popular. It's unbelievable. They'll get to tennis. Yeah, well... They will, they will get... Tennis is very popular, but I think pickleball is like the entry... Like the gateway. Yeah,
0: it's, it's like And pot. it's easier.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just
0: doing heroin now.
1: Yeah, I know. You really are. <laughs> exactly. Are you doing what's like the IV? Okay, so okay,
0: okay, uh, let me go see. This is why I said you got to go to Instagram because I knew we were going to go. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, fine, go ahead. Here's, I'm going to go through this, nature, exercise, purpose, connection. Talk about it. Talk about it with a the therapist. These things in your head, they're scarier in your head. When you talk about them, you are. that's a way that you process and break them down. They're just scarier in your in your head until you start to voice them. You give someone else the opportunity to help you too. Then when they go through their time of need, they come back to you. So you're opening the door for them to come back to you, which is really important and powerful. Mindfulness. I like t- TM, Transcendental mm-hmm, Meditation, very popular. but mindfulness doesn't need to be meditation. I think people get caught up and be like, I can't meditate. Great, fine. Mindful walk, put down your phone, go for a walk, listen to the breeze, the birds, listen to your breath, take a mindful, three mindful breaths through your lower abdomen or do a box breath, which is like four in hold, four back out. You know, I think that mindfulness is just being mindful of, of where you are.
1: Okay, so is that is that all for your toolbox? Can we move on now?
0: <laughs> now you're trying to get me to move on.
1: Well, no, it sounds great. I love it. People can check his Instagram and go down the scrolling, It, but I think those are good examples. I don't even know how long this podcast has been, and I wanted to had all these questions about your actual bucket list. Like, what was the hardest thing for you to pull off? What, like, Should we
0: do rapid fire? You want to do, yeah. like, okay, because the list yeah. is a good one and it's long, but because I, I can get into stories that will, like, will be here for days, I, but I'll do, like, quick...
1: Yeah, what was the hardest one to pull off?
0: So, probably make a TV show. Took about, you know, we wanted to make the show as executive producers and as people that never produced anything, any minute of television, and lived on an island in Canada to come down from to to sell a show to MTV Canada. No, so to sell a show to MTV, we turned down a show from MTV Canada because they wouldn't let us be executive producers. Oh, so we just ended up taking the footage. We cut a pilot. We had crashed the MTV Video Awards in Vegas in 2007. Got in the awards. Pretended we were s- filming a secret pilot for MTV. Fortune an email from the CEO of MTV, Judy McGrath. Showed it to security. Had a big purple bus and a crew. Faked our way in. Got out. No one knew. We Took that footage. Cut a pilot. MTV watched it. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, you guys did this? We had no idea. They didn't know? Nope. Sold it to them. It's so meta. Like, made a pilot about making a fake pilot. That got us the show. And it just, like, for us coming from Victoria, MTV still, like, this was, like, the Jersey Shore era. Our first season was the same first season as Jersey Shore, so it's like, MTV was huge. And we got to make the show we wanted to make. We, were, we lost two years of our lives, but we were so just bullheaded on making this real. So when we, like, streaked a field, we were, like, really doing it, and we didn't clear the venue, and, like, nothing. It was all docu-style. But, like, reality television is not real. Our show was fucking real.
1: That's what's amazing. It was real, right? Like, how real. did you guys actually get to do those things?
0: We would we would ask for forgiveness later. We would figure out a way after.
1: Yeah, don't we, ask for permission. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, make a toast to Stranger's Wedding. We, you know, embarrassingly crashed the Playboy Mansion, got in, got permission after from Hugh Hefner. Everyone said no. We finally got his personal, uh, like, assistant we sent him the dvd of the episode he showed it to them he watched it he gave us permission like it was a whole thing we survived on a desert island like legitimately
1: how how long were you out on a desert island we
0: were three nights four days uh the crew would come during the day they'd film us they'd leave we only could bring one thing with us each that couldn't be fire or food and we lived off coconuts and crabs <laughs>
1: are you serious yeah. so how much of this of your hundred thing list was done on the TV show versus we, before you got the TV show,
0: we had done oh, at least fifty before, and we did we did what two seasons, eighteen episodes, so we did eighteen list items.
1: So what did you do prior to getting the show that made them even besides doing that amazing stunt at the Las Vegas thing where you guys?
0: Yeah, we had. I mean, we had filmed for. We've been doing it for three years. So it was already
1: a three year period. Yeah. That was what I wanted to know. Yeah. Okay. And so what of the in the in that three year period before MTV came on, what were some of the biggest ones that you guys were able to do? We,
0: we uh we did Rideable. We sung the national anthem to the Canadian anthem, which was an NBA game. And it was just because Steve Nash was playing sons and he was Canadian. How
1: did you get that?
0: We convinced them that we could sing. I don't know. We Who was
1: the main guy? Like, where are where are these guys now? Where are your friends?
0: One of them is a professor at Cambridge in the UK. No way. Yeah. One of them does a ton of of writing, and and one of them is running our production company and also doing like this incredible job of buying houses and turning them into Airbnbs and rentals and stuff like that.
1: Oh, and you guys are all friends still.
0: Yeah, and we're all sort of like we're we're. Focusing on some of us more than others on the documentary, mm-hmm. but we've done a good job of allowing each person to follow their own path. You know, yeah, like follow that. So, and we all left buried life for five, six years, and then I kind of got reignited.
1: And the book, the new, the number one New York Times yeah. bestseller, was that your book with those guys, or was it just your book with those guys? So it was all. It was all four of you the guys. Four of us.
0: Yeah, and then the Buckleless Journal is the one that I just did. is yours yep.
1: okay so of the group who was the most like just tenacious and persistent and just you know balls to the wall to get the stuff done
0: I was like the producer of the group I was always wrangling making it happen and so that was my that was my job
1: and so like so the thing in Vegas when you guys crashed the the awards did we like how did that even like who was able to, like, how did you even get that? Or the president, like, playing basketball at the president. Like, to me, I'm still on that one because yep. there's so much red tape on that. You know what I mean? Other things that you can finagle around, but that's legit, you know?
0: Yeah, that was about a hundred no's that we got. I mean, we, this is basically the timeline, very quickly. Send dozens of emails to any politician that has a public listed email on their website that is in D.C., Saying we're trying to play basketball with the president to prove that anyone can do anything, just just take a meeting with us. Drive to D.C. Have as many meetings as we can with lower-level officials. In those meetings, we can oftentimes convince them to convince their boss to meet with us. So we start lobbying in D.C. to try and figure out how do we do this. We learn that there's this secret basketball game that happens, and the man that sets it up is the personal aide of the president, Reggie Love. So everyone's like, you gotta Reggie loves your guy, like he's your your keys to the game because he sets them up if Obama's playing, Reggie Love is playing. So we're trying to get a hold of Reggie Love. We're moving up the ladder. We get a meeting with the secretary of transportation. He puts in a call to the White House while we're in the room, get an email shortly after. And White House is like, thank you for your inquiry about playing basketball with the president. Unfortunately, we cannot arrange a game with the president. And we're just like, all right, one no. Like we just, we leave voice, you can leave a voicemail at the White House. Like, you can call anyone can call and leave a message so we're leaving messages we're sending letters we're picking up picketing outside the white house with signs wearing basketball uniforms from the 1970s we are trying to figure out how to get a hold of reggie love to get this game going any high level official we're trying to meet with tim geithner was the secretary of treasury we heard that reggie love works out at the ymca every morning at six i just go to the y i'm waiting for reggie and i'm like ask the guy the front desk. i'm like is, is reggie love come in and he's like no He's like, but you know who that is? I was like, who is that? That's uh, Secretary of Treasury. I go, I I follow him into the men's bathroom. I'm like, okay, pumping myself up to talk with him. He's so quick and getting changed. He's already in his bathing suit in the pool. I'm like, fuck. I just get a towel, get undressed. I don't have a bathing suit on. I just put a towel over my boxers. And I go out to the lap, like where they're doing laps. And... I'm just kind of loitering, trying to pretend to stretch by where he's... <laughs> loitering. And he's like doing laps. Finally, he comes up to a lap. I just... His head comes up at the edge of the pool. I kneel down. I'm like, hey, Tim. Hey, listen. Uh, and I just give him the pitch. And he's like, Ugh, "Like, you can email my assistant. I'm, I can tell he's not enthusiastic. Yeah. I look up. I see Secret Service in the window, just just standing against the window looking at me. I'm like, oh, God. I got to get out of here. So like, we do all these things. Finally... We fa- find the email for, we do an interview with a sports writer that used to, Reggie Love played basketball at Duke. He had interviewed Reggie because he had played ball at Duke and he was an ESPN writer. So we, we convince him to give us his email. He's like, I don't know if it's still good. Here you go. So we start sending him emails. We're like, Reggie, you and the president, this, the subject, you and the president versus us, YMCA tonight, be there. So we're challenging him and the president to a basketball game. We just keep sending these emails. We go to the why, we wait. He's not there. Go to the why, wait. Literally, we get a phone call on a block number, and it's Reggie Love. He's like, What's this I hear about you wanting to play basketball against the president and I? And I'm like, Fuck. I explained to him why. He's like, You know what? I like this. I really like this. I think I can make this happen. Give me two weeks. I've got to run it by the press team. They got to sign off on everything. They sign off on this. We can do this. I feel good about it. Calls me back. He's like, I talk with the press team. It's not going to happen.
1: Oh my <laughs> we're God. Like, fuck.
0: And he's literally like, as a consolation prize, he's like, listen, I'm sorry, guys, nothing I can do. Um, if you're ever back in DC, let me know. I'll, I'll give you a tour of the White House. So th- three months later, we were back there for a talk. We call him up or send him an email. He gets back to us. He's like, swing by the White House tomorrow. And so we go by the White House. We rented suits from a freaking prom rental store.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we're like, we're like dressed, like, what do you wear to the White House? And we're living on a bus. And so we go, he meets us, he shows us around. And uh, we're like, uh, can we film this? And he's like, yeah, the president's not in town. Go for it. We film. And as we're filming, we hear these steps and the, this voice being like, it's President Obama. Being like, hey, guys, heard you're in town. Thought the least I could do is shoot a basket with you. And he literally surprised us on the courts. And we're like, what? And so then we were kicked it with the president shooting around for like 15 minutes. There's like White House photographer and... We were like trash talking him, to shooting shots. We were talking about having free healthcare in Canada. <laughs>
1: really? Yeah. That's so he cool. Was passing the
0: healthcare bill. Yeah. Obamacare oh at the God. time. And we're like, dude, this, we support this? We've had this forever. It's the best.
1: That is so. Was that the coolest one of all?
0: Definitely, it was probably the top. Yeah, because it was also something that I thought was totally impossible. Totally. We wrote that down when Obama got elected in 2008. Johnny called me up and he was like. I know what we should put on the list. I'm like, what? He's like, play basketball with Obama. And I laughed out loud. I was like, that is the most impossible thing we could think of doing. And his response was, yeah, but how amazing would it be? And I was like, can't argue with that. Wrote it on the list. Three years later at the White House.
1: Three years it took to get that done.
0: Yep. And so it was proof then that this thing that I thought was impossible was possible. Mm Mm-hmm. So now my whole, after you do and I think everyone has the ability to prove to themselves that they are capable of achieving things that are impossible. And once you do that a couple of times, your belief system changes. And moving forward, when you face a challenge, you don't think, can I do this? You think, do I want to do this? Does this align with my values? Is this something, I know it's gonna be a lot of work, but do I want to do it? And that was the shift for me where I was like, I have no choice but to believe that anything's possible because I just see it happening now with my own eyes. And I knew that this was impossible. And here it is happening. And the other crazy part, after that day, we had our first call with the Oprah producers, and we were late for the call. And we are like, guys, sorry, we were late. We were shooting hoops at the White House with Obama. <laughs> it was like the most surreal day oh
1: my God. of
0: all time. And then we announced that we did it on Oprah. It was like, we we're like, what is going on? Crazy.
1: That is an amazing story. The fact that you were even on Oprah was a cra- I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like I would su- I'm surprised that the Rolling Stone, like, they didn't put you on the cover while you had the show,
0: yeah, right? Because like, it would make hard.
1: perfect sense.
0: Yeah, it's hard to get on well, Rolling trust Stone. Trust me, I know, it's super but, hard. But I mean, like, yeah, as, as someone that's not a musician, it's funny, this, because this just happened. 2000s, The precursor to this, 2007, this is pre-MTV show. Someone works for Men's Health. Men's Health is owned by Jan Wenner, yeah. which owns Rolling Stone. She is able to get us a 15-minute meeting with Jan Wenner, We go into his office, corner office, if you could imagine, like Matt, you're just beautiful, huge, iconic. And we have 15 minutes with him and we start talking and we just, we have this really funny back and forth where we end up staying there for an hour. He ends up yelling, asking his assistant assistant to get a knife so he can get us out of here. Like we're shooting the shit at the end of the meeting. We talk about skiing because he loves skiing. And we're trash talking about we can ski faster than you. He's like, no way. Anyways, we end up skiing with him for the next like five Christmas, like uh, winter breaks in Sun Valley. And Sun we, Valley, yeah. Yeah, Sun Valley, Idaho. And we, he's a, the, one of the most fascinating human beings because he's met every single notable, iconic, famous person. Yeah. And so I was in New York two days ago. I haven't seen Jan in 10 years. And uh, I went by his house for lunch and I talked with him. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to lunch with him, caught up. And it was really fun. I said, Jan, you ever do a cover that's a mosaic, right? A hundred little photos, making up one photo, picture. You know who to call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, well, that's our technicality, how we can cross this off.
1: Why will he not put you... His, is that his son, Gus, now runs Gus it, Gus right? runs it, yeah. yeah. He's
0: like, got to talk to Gus.
1: I know. Gus is actually on this podcast. I know Gus. I mean, you never know. Why did, Have you asked Gus?
0: Haven't asked us. have not asked us. Look, I think when the doc comes out, you know, maybe there's a chance. Maybe when we do go to space, you know, that's the number 100. But I think that there's a way with the big ones, there's a, there's a, there's a way to do it in a cheeky way. In a cheeky, in a for cheeky sure. way, maybe for sure. Maybe it's like, yeah, like there's a, there's a cover and maybe they need background in the cover shoot. So maybe there's
1: exactly you don't have to be the star of the cover I
0: will definitely will not be the, the mosaic is a
1: great <laughs> idea though I think unless you end up being like a great guitarist and become like the next Lenny Kravitz you never know yeah although you don't like to play guitar even though you have it in your house or something I remember hearing yeah. that in an interview yeah
0: yeah I do yeah I have one I haven't started so I better get on that
1: yeah I mean that's your way in I don't know why you haven't practiced from since 2006 you've had this dream you could have become like you know Led Zeppelin for all I know yeah yeah Okay so I guess I mean it's been forever I don't know how long you I love on this how podcast. I said
0: let's do rapid fire and I just told the longest story. Oh
1: 100% <laughs> I noticed that but I didn't want to be rude you know what I mean you were so you were so happy I was excited about you were that super one. excited. Okay one other question and we're going to wrap out of all you know you've met now you've met a million people you've helped a lot of people uh, help get to their you know get getting their bucket list things ticked yeah. off what was the most com- what is the most common one thing that you've heard most people say that they want to I think achieve. it is
0: travel related travel. It's gonna be some really go, yeah go somewhere. Yeah. I think because I, I think that's also the the, the go the easiest thing to think of. That's why in the in the journal travel and adventure is the first category because like I want it to be easy for people. Yeah. So uh and I think that there's also a common one is around relationships mm. reconnecting. With someone you've lost touch with, uh, maybe doing something with your parent, taking your, your mom, your dad, to do something that mm-hmm. they want to do. That's uh, actually yeah. You know that type of thing, telling someone how you feel. I think that's the next layer, because those are two of the top five regrets.
1: Well, and also, yeah. I mean, I think when you ask people like that, or when, but how about when you when you just like do your sp- talks and like you're obviously like up there for a while, like people start to think about all the things that they haven't done and what they want to do. Yeah, you get deeper. You get deeper, right? So like off the street, it's like, yeah. It's
0: and we work. would always have people, when we when we asked them on the street, sometimes they would run after us and, and be like, no, 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 this is it. Or they'd think, they'd say, I don't know. And then they'd find us later because it's like you're planting a seed.
1: Absolutely. I just love it. I think it's such a, I, it's such a great exercise in general. Like it makes you think, Yeah. you know, of what you're not accomplishing. And also what you were saying earlier about the fact that like people who get depressed because they don't feel like they're how they used to be, or they're never going to get back to it. You know, it's because they're not, they feel like they've been buried with like not living authentically. And so people are end up living lives for other people their yeah. whole life, which is so sad.
0: I, it's the saddest. Yeah. And the, the thing that's really sad is that you don't know it until it's too, too late.
1: late. That's the problem. That's what's so sad. Like you don't know it until you're on your deathbed and you have that moment of like honesty with yourself.
0: And that's why people's lives change when they have near-death experiences Mm -hmm. or someone close to them dies because they're forced to wake up. Absolutely. It rattles them. So how can you give someone that shock without giving them that traumatic experience? And that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Well, you're doing it and milking it for 20 (laughs) years. I I mean, you're doing it better than anybody I know. I mean, okay, so Ben, how do people find you besides, of course... On stage at one of these, you know, 500 events that you do a year?
0: www.milkingit.com. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's, yeah, I was going to add that at the, in the notes, in the show notes. <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. Uh,
0: Instagram is probably my most active, which is just my name, at Ben Dempton, And then the bucket list journal is on Amazon or writeyourlist.com.
1: Right. And if you're a company who wants a great... By the way, you really... I The reason why I even... I should say... Is because uh, my husband's friend saw you at the GNC, not GNC, the YPO, oh GLC, GLC thing. Cool. And they said you were a great speaker. They Thank really you. thought you were great. I don't know what your topic was. There was it impossible, possible. Yeah, I, yeah. I did
0: something like that with, uh, and then I w- wove in leadership stuff. Because they're all presidents of big companies. Right.
1: Or they own their own companies. Yep. And now you're doing an event for the that chapter, I think, too.
0: I'm doing yeah. I really I'm was. now doing like YPO, Beverly Hills, LA, New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, I'm going down for Costa Rica, Nicaragua. I'm talking with
1: You're doing uh, all of those chapters. Dominican Republic,
0: yeah. Like from that YPO because <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's the all main of the I probably got twenty five chapters. I just today I got two more from New York and uh like Tulsa
1: oh my god you're like great can I get a loan I <laughs> yeah, mean that could be your other job like holy shit you're just raking it in
0: it's speaking is amazing yep
1: oh my gosh amazing okay well thank you for coming on this podcast you were such a delight even though you say the word brave but you know we'll get past it
0: hey it was bold of me to come and I'm glad I came <laughs> there
1: you go no it was
0: it was a treat Oh. It's, I, I had no idea that you're Canadian, and obviously that's why we have so much fun.
1: That's a, Absolutely. The Canadian thing just put it up. That, that was a cherry on top, actually. So yeah. thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks. It's been awesome.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award winning digital media empire, Yap Media